All right, welcome, friends. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, let's be very frank with each other. The last year has been a very, very difficult one for Western New York. Now, it sounds trite by comparison with the other events, but 13 seconds still leaves a pall over the sports fans of Buffalo. And obviously, the horrible racist attack on May 14th was absolutely gut-wrenching and devastating for our community. Mother Nature's devastation during the blizzard of 22 was horrible. And last night, as we saw one of the Buffalo Bills go down, Damar Hamlin. Once again, it just seemed the hand of fate uh, was just pointing a, a fickle finger at us here in western New York. But the good news is, through all of these things, we have come together. And we are a stronger and, I think, more loving community than we've ever been. And unfortunately, sometimes that takes tragedy to bring out. But you uh, tend to appreciate people more when you have been through trauma with people. Um, I want to go right now to a gentleman who has uh, helped us out on many occasions, uh, medically speaking, because like Dr. Lori Michael, he is a medical doctor, and he is Dr. James Harreth. Uh, Dr. Harreth, thanks very much for joining us. Very much appreciate your help. Thank you, Tom. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, obviously, uh, let's talk about the situation with Damar Hamlin. First things first, did you see what happened in real time? No, I did not see it in, in real time. I'm becoming an old man and going to bed early. Uh, but I was able to see on, uh, on YouTube some of the replays, and it was, it was shocking, to say the least. What were your uh, first thoughts as a physician watching what we all saw on TV? So as a physician, as a critical care physician, and, and as a critical care physician in pediatrics, what I saw was somebody who went out within seconds. So what it, that would lead me to think that this has got to be cardiac in nature. You don't have blood flow to your brain for six seconds. You pass out and you're down. And there's a couple of things that, that, can, that can do that, especially with a, with a younger athlete. I'm thinking of Komodo cordis, which is uh, where you're going to have an arrhythmia in the setting of an impact. Or this is an arrhythmia that came on uh, due to an underlying congenital heart disease, like, like Holcomb, like a hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. Those are the first things that, that came to my mind. And then as I was thinking, okay, this is, this is football, there's impact. You know, what about ripping of the aorta or anything else? It's like, no, you have minutes there. This was seconds. So that would mean loss of blood flow uh, to the brain. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that video. You know, when, when uh, the uh, undetected underlying conditions arises in some of the conversations I've heard, I, I go back to the National Football League. I mean, they, they do pretty extensive physicals on, on, on these players. And um, I, I, I wonder if those physicals would reveal 99.99% of any, anything like that. 
Yeah, no, they would. Uh, they 99%. But what we're talking about are incredibly rare situations and also very subtle. Uh, so let's say if this is uh, a inherent problem of the con- of his uh, electrical conduction system of his heart, uh, like such as Brigada, which I know you're very familiar with, <laughs> something very subtle like that, you would have to unmask that. And then, of course, with extreme physical exertion, that would definitely be un- unmasked. Uh, let's say if it was uh, something structural, something like a PA window or a uh, transposition of, not, I apologize, not transposition of great vessels, but uh, aberrant coronary artery, takeoff of aberrant coronary artery. Um, again, usually people are symptomatic, but those are very, very subtle problems that would take a specialist, to, uh, actually a pediatric, normally a pediatric cardiologist, looking for those subtle problems uh, to determine what's going on. That I don't believe the NFL goes through uh, an, ex- an incredibly extensive uh, uh, history like that. Usually people have some sort of symptoms before that because these are, these are world-class athletes. We're talking with Dr. James Harris on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, when he mentioned Brugada syndrome, uh, that is what I have. It's very, very rare. And that's why I've got a big bump in my chest, which is uh, an implanted uh, cardiac defibrillator. And uh, it, uh, it, it is what it is. And I'm going to reference that again with Dr. Harith uh, coming up because I think it might be um, relevant. So um, with this uh, commotio or commodio cordis, what is the proper medical protocol and how long do you have? The proper medical protocol is CPR immediately, then with uh, defibrillation as fast as possible. And so defibrillation, that's when you apply electricity to the heart actually to stop the electricity activity, electrical activity of the heart so that it can reset on its own. Um, you know, I was actually, you know, doing a little bit of a little bit of research on it. And there is a, um, a, a, a list of people who have had it that, that, that is being, uh, being followed, but it looks like survival rates of that have improved around 2012 with the availability of AEDs. So uh, if, if, a, you know, if the proper defibrillation and CPR is applied within the, the first couple of minutes, survival is very high. But survival goes down the longer you don't uh, defibrillate the patient. Reason being, that's time the heart muscle is not getting oxygenated blood. And when that heart is in ventricular fibrillation, it is moving and grooving. It is, it is very quickly uh, sucking up all the energy that it, that it had at that moment. So uh, you want to stop that electrical activity, allow the heart to be able to beat properly, and then to uh, uh, and allow it to uh, perfuse itself appropriately. You know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is uh, the idea that the brain uh, may have gone hypoxic. The brain might have been starved for oxygen. But as you just pointed out, anytime you have a situation like this, you always need to look out for long-term damage to the heart. Do you want to walk us through the diagnostics and the probabilities, uh, first of all, on long-term damage to the heart? Yes, absolutely. I, I can do that. Um, so what, what they're going to want to do then is they're going to want to continue to wa- immediately they're going to watch uh, an, an echocardiogram. They're going to look at the function of the heart. You know, so if there's a part of the heart that didn't get appropriate perfusion, many times we're going to see the effect on the muscle itself on how well that it's, it's, it's contracting or not. So they're going to they're continue to, to watch that. And, of course, they're going to watch e- 
EKG as well. That's going to give us an idea of the electrical health of the heart um, as well. And down the road, they, depending on what they what information they gather, and again, we're 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 just speculating here. Uh, you know, the, we'll see whether there's a need for catheterization. Look at how healthy his uh, coronary arteries are, uh, and down the road, continue to watch. Uh, his his EKGs and echoes if necessary, but it's the, what one does on physical exam. When we look at uh, the uh, the evaluation for somebody for heart failure, uh, it is more the physical exam. Are they are they developing edema, fluid in their legs? Are they able to do activities of daily living? So it's what they're able to do physically is probably one of the most important aspects. Uh, of how the, the, the heart is able to function afterwards. But at the same time, one must remember, we can transport, we can transplant hearts. So, so a heart, uh, you know, again, doesn't like any time without oxygen, can tolerate time without oxygen better than the brain. It's the brain that is the absolute energy hog of the body. That's where we're going to be most concerned about long-term effects. You know, is, is a shorter period of time without oxygen, we're going to have the most impact on the brain. And that is why CPR is so important. You can at least continue some perfusion to the brain when you're trying to figure out why that heart's not working. Do we know in cases like this, when the heart stops for a few minutes, what part of the brain is most likely to be affected or does it vary by individual? It, it varies by the individual, but the part of the brain that's least affected is our primitive brain, our, our midbrain, the, the part of our brain that does all the automatic stuff that allows us to, to breathe, that interacts with our kidneys and our heart. The, the part of the brain that's affected most is the, the part, the, especially our, our top and our frontal uh, lobes, because that's what a lot gives us memory. It gives us personality. It's who we are. That's the most sensitive part of the brain. That's the part that it's affected most in a low flow, no flow state. Dr. James Harris is with us on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, I know that uh, doctors either love Google or hate Google. As you know, I always say I went to the University of Google Medical School. And as I said that, my phone just went off, of course, because it recognized its own name. But the um, reading I was doing last night seemed to indicate that you must defibrillate within three minutes in order to have the best possible chance of a full recovery. Is that three minutes accurate? That is. That is it. Three minutes is an incredible. So that's going to be three minutes of the heart being in the highest metabolic state that it can be in, and that's ventricular fibrillation. If Three minutes is an incredible amount of time because those cells are not getting the the, the glucose and the oxygen they need to be able to survive and function. So, so yes, that's absolutely correct, and that's also uh, is also repeated not in Google, but in the in the medical research that I actually have access to. So, no, that is actually a one time where Google is precise. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Harris, one of the things uh, that I keep getting back to, and we don't know the answer to this uh, at least so far, is how many minutes did it take between CPR and the introduction of the defibrillator, because as a layman, I look at that as being critical to the outcome of this case. Is that correct or incorrect? That is correct. What makes this case a little bit interesting is a lot of this data that we look at are for individuals who are on the baseball diamond with 
a bunch of uh, lay people, whereas in, at least in the NFL, you've got trained professionals who know exactly what to do at a, at, a, at a second's notice. So I think that's where it's a little bit different, where you have a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway. You know, so so is, if that CPR started immediately, you are doing some coronary perfusion. It isn't great. It's not like spontaneous circulation, but you're doing something. Whereas many times, this is usually a 14-year-old, usually it's a young man who gets hit with a baseball who goes down, and you've got that period of time where people are freaking out and they're, they're, they're thinking, this is not happening. This is, they're in denial. So whereas in here with the NFL, People knew exactly what was going on, and he had access to wonderful world-class medical care within seconds. So I think that's where it's beneficial. And this may also be where we could take something good out of something so tragic. This may allow the, your listening audience to think, hey, do I know CPR? Should I learn CPR? What if this were my child? I don't want to be that bystander who's, who's crying and don't know what to do. I want to be able to act and act appropriately. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, a number of callers to David Bellavia's show brought that up earlier today on WBEN, the importance of CPR, and I would say the importance of first aid overall, even something as simple as the Heimlich maneuver, because you know, if, if you can keep your head in a situation like that and save somebody from choking to death or with a cardiac situation, uh, at least keep somebody alive until the professionals get there you will have done some good in this world. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more than that. Um, stand by, if you would, because I want to get into some of the diagnostics. Uh, and, you know, is it likely that he will undergo um, a stress test uh, at some point when consciousness uh, is brought back? Uh, a chemical st- stress test or an exercise stress test and, and some of the other diagnostics that'll be determ- that will help determine the extent to which uh, his body was damaged last night. And by him, of course, we're talking about DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN with Dr. James Harreth about the uh, horrible situation we all saw last night. Uh, Monday Night Football, DeMar Hamlin of the uh, Buffalo Bills, and of course the reaction from players on both teams, in particular the Buffalo Bills, because uh, they seemed most trained on the reactions of the uh, Buffalo Bills. Um, Presuming that hopefully within the next few hours or the next day or so, Mr. Hamlin is uh, relieved of his medically induced coma, what happens next? At this point, it depends on. So it depends on why he's in the uh, the, the coma. Uh, so my guess is that was he still having more arrhythmias? Did they still have to get him out of the arrhythmia? I don't know. Or if if you're not if the diagnosis is ventricular fibrillation and you don't have an immediate uh, improvement in your mental status, uh, American Heart Association guidelines are to to cool and or to at least prevent fever. So, so more than likely they're going to want to keep him cool in order to be able to improve his chances of having a, a hopefully a very good um, neurological outcome. And then after that, it's, it's going to basically see what he does neurologically. You know? So and the best test for, uh, to determine how a person is doing neurologically is the physical exam. You know, it, it's, you know, open your eyes. You know, track me, follow me, you show me two fingers, give me a thumbs up. The best test. Now, MRIs, CT scans, they all look at 
they look at architecture, the architecture of the brain. They don't look at function. So they're going to want to look at function. And what's going to be more interesting is going to be uh, the heart. The question is, why? Why did this happen? Will it happen again? Is it treatable? You know, so, so those, are, those are the questions that are going through, through my mind. Uh, and if it was just uh, come out of cordis, this was just, it's, that's a one in a million shot. Mm-hmm. You know, so the data even shows those people who wear the appropriate protective gear, you know, 50% of the cases are people who wear the, protective, the appropriate protective gear. You know, so the other thought was, is he predisposed to this? And, and that's where we were talking about, you know, possible Brigada or Brigada-like uh, uh, syndromes. Yeah, you know, and, and just reading about this last night, we talked with Dr. Michael earlier about this, but um, with this uh, Camacho Cordis, the impact has to be at exactly the right millisecond in the heart rhythm for it to kick in. Yes, that's it's 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 a one in a million shot. It's it it, it is very incredibly incredibly rare. Now, absolutely. So they they talk about the timing of it, uh, and they talk about uh, the actually where it, within the cardiac silhouette. They 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 also talk about uh, the 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 type of chest wall that the patient has. Usually, it's somebody young. Usually, someone thin, where there's a, a plenty of of compliance to the chest wall that it's going to move. You know, versus somebody who may be uh, uh, nutritionally enhanced and has a lot of adipose tissue and can absorb that impact. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of and, and then it's the force in, in, in impact as well. Usually they describe it in a baseball injury where you've got a, a, a very hard, very dense projectile that is circular, and which means that you've got a lot of force in, in one small area. And I got to be honest, the images I saw of the game, they weren't great, but I'm I'm not seeing a, a, a huge impact, you know, and part of me is also wondering, was the impact as he was going down on the helmet? I'm not too sure. So it, that's where it seems to be a little off, but it's not, it's not just the force of the impact. Mm. It's also the timing of the cardiac cycle. Will, will they be doing a, a stress test? Is that part of the uh, diagnostics in a situation like this? So stress test, you, you know, the normal stress test is, is to evaluate whether one would, want, would need a cardiac angiogram or not. So he, he pretty much, this was his stress test, he failed. So unless they, they need to do like a tilt table and a stress test to try to induce the arrhythmia, if that's what they're looking for, maybe. But that's going to determine on the, electrophysiolo- on the electrophysiologist that, that sees him. And, you know, we should point out, too, that for those who don't know, when you talk about the heart, um, the heart has many different specialties within medicine. Uh, there are people uh, that uh, Dr. Harith and I know, all they do all day long is coronary bypass. Then there are people who are the electrophysiologists. So you've got the electricians and you've got the plumbers, all who are focused on the heart. It's amazing the level of specialization. Yes. No, absolutely. And we're so fortunate here in Buffalo to be able to have access to these individuals. And, and I, I can't thank them every day. They just do a wonderful job uh, for the community here in Buffalo. Well, you better believe it. If not uh, for your people at Gates and Buffalo General, I wouldn't be here right now. So uh, obviously it means a lot for you to, uh, to join us. And I thank you for your insight into this uh, horrific event. And hopefully we'll get some good news. Um, any, any time frame 
for when somebody can recover uh, consciousness with a situation like this? And I, I know that we're shooting in the dark because we don't know how badly the, the, the body's injured. Exactly. So well, many times they'll, they'll, they'll try to do like a targeted temperature control for about 48 hours. Uh, when that happens, uh, you know, we, they try to eliminate shivering. So if he is shivering and that's what they're doing, they'll, they'll have to do a muscle relaxant. And you don't want to be awake when you're on a muscle relaxant. So any time that he doesn't need a muscle relaxant and, you know, they're not concerned about, you know, shivering, they're going to uh, try to do a wake-up. That's good. standard of care. You, you try to do a, a holiday for sedation to see what's going on uh, underneath. You know, so it could be as early as tonight. You know, but uh, and again, I don't have access to none of the specifics. Uh, I know they're doing a, a great job. You know where he's at currently, uh, but you know we could we could find out very soon. Well, uh, let's hope uh, the news is good. And by the way, I would also not being uh, not recommend being awake for a terribly long time with a breathing tube. And it's not unusual for patients to uh, uh, spontaneously pull them out. <clears throat> uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Tom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Dr. Harris, uh, thank you very much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate your time. Always my pleasure. Uh, my heart, uh, my heartfelt prayers out to uh, Bills fans everywhere, to the Bills team. God bless. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. James Harris on News Radio 930 WBEN.